on Thursday nights probably go, no, it's no difference. You always change things up. We're going to have worship at the end. Um, next week is Thanksgiving, and instead of going back into the book of Daniel and then taking another week off because we've been off for like three weeks from the book of Daniel because I was gone. And, uh, and so I thought, well, instead of you know, getting back into Daniel and then next week we're off because it's Thanksgiving, um, I just figured after Thanksgiving we'll pick up with where we left off in the book of Daniel. So tonight, if you will, you can turn in your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 4. And I wanted to kind of go over this because as I was praying about just changing things up and doing something a little different, Philippians chapter 4 kept on coming to mind. Um, there are some commands in this portion of Scripture for us uh, as believers, but they go along with um, these commands um, with some promises as well. And those commands kind of gives us the indication, one of those commands is that we are to be thankful, the giving of thanks. Now, you would almost want to say is, why do we have to be commanded to give thanks? Shouldn't it be something we do, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, we should be thankful all the time on the daily. Yes, the answer should be, be thankful always. But I think oftentimes <laughs> we have to be reminded to be thankful. I know we can be thankful for a lot of things, but I think we need to be reminded. But in the context of where, where we're at, again, I'm saying there's these commands to be thankful and, and there's other commands. But, but the, this command to be thankful especially is not in the negative in, a, in any way, but it's in the positive. It, it, you know, there's a promise that comes along with these commands and, and the th command to be thankful. And so... Uh, the giving of thanks or being th thankful should be something that would flow from our hearts as believers. If you are a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, there, there should be that attitude, as, as Farm Boy said, or as Thomas said, uh, an attitude of gratitude always, you know. And, and so it's something that, that we should be doing on a regular basis. And so we're in 1 Corinthians, or not 1 Corinthians, Philippians chapter 4, let's read the first nine verses. It says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore uh, Euodia, and I implore Sintiki uh, to, to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I I urge you also, true companions, companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, 
whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned, which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, I pray, God, that you would just help us in this time as we go over your word. Help me, Lord God, in, in just conveying what's been on my heart, Lord God, to share through this portion of Scripture. And so give us ears to hear and an open heart as well, Lord, uh, one that would be full of thanksgiving, Lord, as we look to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we get into our text, I wanted to kind of share with you that in, in 1863, 1863, a while back, President Lincoln made a, pro, a presidential proclamation that the last Thursday of November would be a national day of thanksgiving. And in 1941, it became law. And so, in essence, next week, next Thursday, it is a federal holiday, uh, a day of thanksgiving. And here, here's, here's a quote from that, uh, from that proclamation, according to President Lincoln, quote, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our benefit Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And so... President Lincoln said that in October 3rd, 1863. So as a nation, we set aside the last Thursday of November to give thanks to God. Or at least that is the intention. It was intended for it to be that way. And we, we will take one day at least... You know, if that's what they give us for giving of thanks, we will take it if they've made a, a proclamation, if they made it a, a national holiday. Praise God that we have a, an opportunity to do that. I'll take one day as opposed to none. But as Christians, every day should be a day of thanksgiving for each and every one of us. I, I think if you truly understand what God has done in our lives, who he is in our lives, then that should just be a daily thing that comes flowing from us all the time because we should be thankful for everything in our lives. I remember years and years ago, I was counseling with a guy who was going through a hard time in his life. And I said, well, you still have to be thankful. He goes, I have nothing to be thankful for. I said, there has to be something to, to be thankful for. And he's going, I have absolutely nothing to be thankful for. And I remember just kind of being a little silly going, well, can you move your little finger? And he looks at me like, you're an idiot. I said, no, really, wiggle your little finger. And he did. I said, why don't you be thankful that you can move your little finger, something. Because he had that mindset that there's nothing to be thankful for. And guys, we have a lot to be thankful for. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what's before you today. But on a daily basis, there should be something in our lives that we should be thankful for. In, in Psalms 100, verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. 
be thankful to him and bless his name. And so tonight I, I do, I, I want to look at this portion of scripture because there are some commands that are in there that we need to be reminded of as Christians. And so he starts off verse one by saying, therefore, and the word therefore is there because of everything that he has just shared with the Philippians. And you can go from chapter 1 to this portion and all the things that he has shared with them. And, and, and he gets to this portion of Scripture because he's, he's, he's ministered to them through verse, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And he gets to this portion. He says, Therefore, with everything that I have talked to you about. And he is about to give them a command. But he says to them, My beloved... And long for brethren, my joy and my crown. And so he, he says, because of everything I've shared with you, he turns to them and he's writing to them and he calls them my beloved. Something that is coming from his heart to these people because he had spent time with them. He had got to know them. And he says, man, you are my beloved. The people that I long for to see. You are my joy and my crown. You, you are my, my prize, in other words. And so you almost get this feel that, man, he loves these people. If he could be there in a heartbeat for them, he would be there right now, but he can't. So he's writing to them, and he's, he says, Therefore, my beloved, you are everything to me right now in, in, as I write to you. And so here's the first command that he is going to give them as he is written to them after he says, Therefore, after he says, My beloved, long for joy and crown, he says, So stand fast. In the Lord, beloved. Stand fast. He, he's encouraging them to be immovable in who they are. In, in, in the things that they have battled in life, regardless of what's going on, he says, stand fast. Don't be shaken. Don't let anybody trip you up. Don't let any circumstance knock you down. I want you to be standing firm and not be moved. And so that is the command that he's giving to them. To stand fast. And, and, and in verses 2 and 3, he kind of shares a little personal situation that was happening in that church as much as he loved these people and he's encouraging them and has been encouraging them and he calls them his beloved. He kind of deals with this personal situation that's happening between these two sisters in the Lord. Whatever they were going through, he's urging them, he's imploring them, he's begging them to be of the same mind because at this point they were not at, of the same mind. And, and not being of the same mind would, would not cause them to stand firm. It would, it would shake the ground under them if they are not working together, if they are not coming together, if they're not in-reaching and building one another up. And so he's encouraging those around them, hey, come alongside and help these women. Both of these women had been a, a huge help for him in the ministry. And you know how ladies are, man. They bicker about all the stuff all the time, man. There's always drama with ladies and so he said hey you guys man go and settle those two ladies down i'm kidding guys uh well not a lot but 
But but you know he he he's kind of even commanding them, hey, and go go and come alongside of these ladies because whatever's going on, it's not healthy. It's not good for the church right now. I'm I'm encouraging you to stand fast, and because of whatever's going on here, that's not going to help the issue. If anything, it it, it will it, it it will change things. It, it it will it will cause the opposite effect of standing firm. And so the other command that he gives them, it's like, hey, come alongside of them. And whatever you guys need to do to bring them together so that they are of the same mind, so that they too can stand fast with one another. And, and it's almost like he, he shares something right at the end as he says, hey, man, come along as, co- uh, as, as co-laborers, as fellow workers, he says, whose names are in the book of life. And I kind of looked at that and I go... You know, he, he almost throws that in to say, guys, there's something bigger than these temporal uh, disputes that might be going on. There's something bigger that's at hand here, and that is your names are written in the book of life. And if your names are written in the book of life, then get together here and, and, and squash whatever is going on because you're going to have to spend eternity with one another. Now, I know people would say, well, if I get to, to heaven and so-and-so's there, then I'm going to just be on the opposite side of heaven. And it's like, that's no way to, 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 to deal with that, you know? It's like, no, squash it here. Get, come together here so that when, you know, you're in heaven, when we're all together, then we can be rejoicing and not be going, oh, I, can't, I can't believe that they made it either. You know, people are thinking like that. So verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Here's another command that he's giving them. And and you might be going, well, that's not much of a command, but it is a command. He, He is telling them, this is what you ought to be doing. You ought to be rejoicing. And you're going, why would you have to tell somebody to rejoice? It's like because obviously there were situations that were going on that could take away the joy in somebody's life. And so he's encouraging them, his beloved, those who who he's longed for, those who are his joy and his crown, whatever is going on, I command you, rejoice. And he emphasizes the matter by repeating it Once again, he says, again, I say, rejoice. Have this this thing within you that would motivate you to stand strong. Not to be happy, but to rejoice. That, That this inward thing that is happening in your life, that that would be in there so it could flow out eventually. He says, let your gentleness be known in verse Five, let your gentleness be known to all men, because the Lord is at hand. In addition to joy and rejoicing, believers are to have a gentleness about them, and so he commands them to be gentle. And that will be evident to all, this gentleness will be evident to all. Gentleness suggests that there is a forbearing, you know, a, a, a non-retaliatory uh, kind of spirit. Because again, there had been some tension going on, and, and he doesn't know if it spread, but he's telling them, I need for you guys to be doing these kinds of things. And so, so again, joy is, is, is an inner quality 
in, in relation to circumstances because you can have joy in the midst of trouble. You can have joy in the midst of tribulation. Doesn't mean you're happy, but there's a joy that's welling up within you because of who Christ is in your life. You can, you can still have joy in the midst of whatever's going on, whatever circumstances are going on. These kinds of things aren't always seen, but they are there. But the way we react to others, whether by gentleness or harshness, <laughs> those things are noticeable. And so the command has, has been to stand firm, to bring people together. The command has been, hey, rejoice. Have a joy within you. Again, I say it. There's a rejoicing that needs to be happening. And also, let your gentleness be noticed by those outwardly. Instead of being harsh with people, be gentle with them. Why be gentle? Well, because the Lord is at hand. And, and, and again, it's, it's almost like he gives us this picture of something bigger that's going on. Man, we, we have eternity on our minds. So why, why shouldn't we be gentle with one another? Why shouldn't we have joy? Why shouldn't we be doing these kinds of things that would reflect who God is in our lives instead of our flesh being so noticeable to other people? He says, the, the Lord is at hand. In other words, life is too short. Life is way too short. The Lord is at hand. And he could be talking about that the rapture is at hand. He had that mindset that one day we're going to be snatched out of here. We ain't got time to be arguing and being harsh with one another. We need to be gentle. The Lord's at hand, man. And I'm sure Paul didn't want to find himself you know, not being gentle, you know, being harsh with people and the Lord coming is like, oh, busted. If, if anything, he's saying, hey, do these things. I'm encouraging you to do these things because the Lord is coming soon. And then in verse 6, he says, and be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He, here, here he gives another command to be anxious for nothing. He, he's not calling for a careless life. That's not what he's saying here. To care for and be genuinely concerned is one thing. To be worrisome is another thing. Because worrisome would take away from, from trusting in who God is. Again, if you remember back in chapter 6 of, 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 of Matthew, when Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't be anxious for the things. Look at the birds, look at the fields, look at all these things. It's, it's like, will worrying add anything to your life? If anything, it takes away from, from the things in your life. And so he's encouraging them, do not be anxious for anything. That's a command. Not a suggestion, it's a command that he has given them. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be worrisome. Don't be troubled with the things that are going on in this world. Again, we, we have concerns in our lives, but, but, but at what point is it gnawing at you? Because again, there's things that happen in our lives that we can worry about. 
And oftentimes when we're so worried with the circumstances in our lives, it just brings us in a place where we're not trusting that God can see us through those situations. And so when we are worried, when we're acting, when we're anxious, it kind of takes away from what he is now going to be commanding us to do. Because when we're worried, when we're fretting, when we're in all those kinds of places, it's really hard to truly give God adoration. Because we're concerned about what's going on in our own lives. Not that we can't be concerned with, ha- with things that are happening, but God's going, are you trusting that I will see you through? And again, going back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is trying to encourage them, don't be anxious and don't be worried about anything. I'm the one that kind of takes care of you. If I take care of the birds, if I take care of the, 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 the lilies of the field, if I take care of all these things, aren't you much more important than they are? And when when we put that in perspective, again, it's like, why do we fret? Why do we worry? Paul and and, and Timothy, who are kind of writing here, and, and, and Paul especially, they cared for the people that they ministered to. And yet, they cared for them, but they weren't worried about them, in a sense, they, they still retained that, that trust in God that he would be taking care of every situation. And so again, Jesus warns us not to worry about those kinds of things in Matthew chapter 6. Paul exhorted or commanded the Philippians here that instead of being anxious, why don't you pray? Why, why, why don't you come to a place of presenting yourself before God? With thanksgiving, because thanksgiving involves trusting God, thanking Him before the situation is even settled, because you're trusting that God is going to take care of us, regardless of what's going on. And so can you come to God in prayer in whatever circumstance you're you're in? With whatever is happening in your life, can you give Him thanks, even though you're going through a hard time? Because when we can do that, then we're putting our trust in the one who could see us through the situation. And so he commands them to not be anxious. And then he commands them, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Four words that he uses here in, in this portion, as a believer is in, in communion with God, and the word prayer kind of describes a believer's approach to God and how we come to Him with a humbleness, with our heads down, with, with this almost like adoration of who He is. Supplications and or petitions am- emphasizes the requesting of, of an answer to a specific need. I'm bringing these things before you, and the thanksgiving part is an attitude of the heart. An attitude of the heart that should always, always be accompanied with our prayers. Whenever we enter his courts, whenever we come before him with petitions and supplications, there should always be this thankfulness that is going to be associated with that. Because in that, we trust that he has heard our requests. 
And we're thanking him before it even happens because we trust that he sits on the throne and he's waiting for you to hear, hear him. And I love that. I love that we have a God who sits on the throne of heaven and is not too busy for you and I. He's not too busy to listen to the cries of our hearts. And I could only imagine that when we come in, in, a, in, in, in kind of an attitude of worship, of prayer, to petition him, to, 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 to ask for things, to, to, to request of him certain things, that that, that praise or, or that, that thankfulness that comes afterwards or, or during that prayer is just like that sweet-smelling aroma that comes into his nostrils as, as the prayers go up. That man, oh man, he is just wanting to take care of the situation because he's, he, he knows that we are trusting him because there's a thankfulness associated with our presence, in, with us in his presence. And so he, he, he gives us the, these commands to stand fast. He, he gives us command, hey, come alongside one another and help. The command to rejoice and to do it again, you know, that, that there would be gentleness, that the command of, of not being anxious, the command to pray with supplications and thanksgiving. And he says all that, and then he gets into verse uh, seven, and he gives us the promise that if we if we take heed to all these commands, if we take heed to these things that we ought to be doing always, the promise is that there is there's the peace of God that will flood our hearts and our souls. That's the promise. That when we come to him, when we are commanded here in the scripture to come to him, the promises and the peace of God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus is our, our peace. He promised that he would be our peace. And every child of God has peace with God because God has justified us. He has declared us not guilty. And if we're not guilty before God, then there's a peace that we can have with him because he knows that he has forgiven all of us, all, all, all of our sins. And so there's this, this peace, this rest that we can come to him and we're not afraid to come to him because we have peace. And this is the kind of peace that, again, it kind of transcends everything that we are going through. When, when, when people are going through hard situations and they are able to rejoice, there's a peace that, that, that transcends that situation. I was talking to a dear sister from Wrightwood. And they, they were coming on Thursday nights. They haven't been here in a long time. But, but Steve, her husband, they used to sit right back here. He passed away a few weeks ago. Big, tall Steve. Him and, and Mary Lou, they'd sit back here. And she calls me the day after I get back. Or no, the day I landed. She, she texts me. And I called her after church on Sunday just to tell her, hey, I've been out of the country, but I just heard the news. And she is just praising God for what God had done in, in giving her husband relief because Steve was going through a lot. 
And I'm thinking, how can you have this peace right now? And I know what Scripture says, but this is where peace transcends our situation. What, what she is going through with the loss of her husband, to be able to have this, this, this almost joy in her heart that her husband is okay, that he's fine. Where does that come from except from God? Because again, she should be not being able to speak. She, she shouldn't be, be able to breathe right now with, with the hurt, with the pain, with the sorrow. But you see, whenever we're going through these kinds of things and we are trusting in God because of who He is, not because of who we are, but because of who He is, then His peace transcends our situation. And it is that peace that, again, people don't quite understand because it passes our understanding. And that is when you know that you have this peace with God. When you know you should be falling apart. And even though it hurts, he is carrying you through the situation. And he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And that word guard is a military term that means to protect or garrison by guarding. Like, like surrounding, surrounding like with a garrison, 600 soldiers surrounding your heart and your mind. Just like a soldier would be assigned to a certain area, he will do everything possible to guard what he has commanded to go guard. And he says, the peace of God will garrison your heart. It will protect your heart. And not just your heart, but your mind as well. Not, not, not just your emotions, but your thoughts. God is able to do that through the emotional things that we go through. And we all go through, a male or female, we go through emotional things. And when we are in that place of surrendering, it, when we're in that place of, of, of taking heed to all these commands that, that we have just seen here, when we get to verse 7, we understand that the peace of God is there for us. And it will protect my heart and it will protect my mind. Because oftentimes my mind just wants to go. And he says, I will protect that. I will bring it back. I will bring it back into the captivity of, of where Christ dwells. <laughs> and my peace will cover you. It will garrison you. It will protect you. It will guard your heart and mind always. Not just your heart, not just your mind, but both of them. And what a promise that is, right? That those are the kinds of things that we can experience day in and day out with our Lord. You know, again, we, we, we have next week, next, next Thursday, that, that is Thanksgiving Day. Guys, Thanksgiving Day should be every day for us. When you wake up in the morning with Thanksgiving, when you go to bed at night with Thanksgiving, throughout the day with Thanksgiving, there should be that attitude that we have continually because of who He is, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. I want to read verses 4 through, through 7 from the Amplified. And you guys know how much I love the Amplified. But it says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourself in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, let, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness. 
your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Verse 6, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving continue to make your want known to God. Verse 7, And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort it is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing how the Amplified puts that? That just kind of brings it all together and say, guys, these are the promises that we can have. That peace of God, when we are in that attitude of being thankful, regardless of what's going on in our lives. Throughout the day, I mean, there's just so much going on at church. It seems like I leave for a few weeks and, and I get back, it's like boom, 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 all these things. And there's so many things that now are on my heart that are weighing at me. And it's like, I can't carry them. <laughs> there's so much. But I know who can and it draws me to a place of going, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm going to petition you. My heart hurts for the Stevens family, the Onsen family, the, 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 uh, the, the Cahouse um, family, you know, all these families who are hurting right now. And I can't fix him, but I know a God who can. And I, and I am able to have that peace that he will take care of their situations much less having to deal with the things I have to deal with in my own life. Again, man, there's a God who cares, guys, that we can always turn to, and he will garrison my heart just like he will garrison your heart. He will surround and protect, and I love how the Amplified says, he will mount guard over your heart and mind. Verses nine, or 8 and 9 in the Amplified goes like this. But the rest, brethren, whatever is pure or whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything praise, worthy of praise, Think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Verse 9. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And model your way of living on that. And the peace of God, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. What an attitude we can have, guys, each and every day. These are verses 8 and 9 are things that we can meditate on. Whatever might be going on in our hearts, if we can turn back and go, okay, Lord, if everything's falling down around me and it's hard for me 
to, to carry, then I will trust you with praise and thanksgiving and I will meditate on these things that are, that, are pure, or that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely. And anything of good report, I will praise you for those things. I will dwell there and I will make my abode there <laughs> so that God's peace will be with me. Now, I want to read to you some psalms of thanksgiving. And after we're done with, with this reading portion, I just kind of want to touch on several of the psalms. I want to enter into a time of prayer. And again, it's just going to be us here. A, a time to be able to, 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 to pray, bring your supplications with thanksgiving especially. Let's make our requests known to God. And so we're going to enter into a time like that, but I just want to give you several uh, psalms. Psalms 18, 49, it says, Therefore... I will give thanks to you, O God, among the Gentiles. I will sing praise to your name. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, all you, or you, his saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Psalm 35, 18. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Psalm 75, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks <clears throat> for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. Psalm 70, 79, 13. So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture will give thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgment of his mouth. What are we thankful for tonight? What are you thankful for? Let's, let's, let's bring those things before the Lord. Amen? Father in heaven, we are in awe of who you are. We are grateful, Lord God, for the God of heaven who sits on the throne and inhabits the praises of his people. Father, we are just so grateful, Lord, that you love us. Lord, we're just so grateful for your salvation. Father, I'm, I'm so thankful, Lord. As I am reminded, Lord God, that 40 years ago today, Lord, you saved my soul. Father, I can't even believe it, Lord. That that simple prayer changed everything in my life. 
And not just that, Lord God, I went from death to life. And I'm just so grateful, Lord. I'm so thankful for the work that you have done in my life. I thank you, Lord God, for all the good and the bad and the ugly that's happened in my life because you've made me who I am, Lord. And you, and you have used everything in my life to draw me closer to you, Lord, through all the pain, Lord, and the sorrow that we've experienced, that I've experienced. Lord, to be able to continue to praise you with thanksgiving. I thank you for that, Lord. I'm so grateful, Lord God, for putting me in this position with my brothers and sisters, to be able to serve them, to be able to teach and share, Lord. I'm thankful for that. I'm truly thankful, Lord, for who you are thankful for this church, Lord, that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Lord God, because you are good. Praise you.